G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. We kind of said we'll take it slow, we'll see what happens, and and within three months I kind of thought this is <laughs> slow enough, and um, and I, uh, you know, we went up onto one of the mountains close by here, and I did a little speech in Latvian, and oh, he did really well. I got one of her friends to help me with translation and kind of set it up, and and yeah, proposed to her, and she said yes, and got married four months later. The story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax and welcome to The Story. A special treat for you today, an international love story with a couple that just got married a few weeks before this conversation was recorded. Cameron from the east side of Melbourne and Signa from Latvia. They'll share their stories of how the Lord was working in their lives even before they met in Poland. And then how they eventually met, married and are now living here in Australia eagerly anticipating what the Lord has next for them in their lives. So, quite a romantic one for you today with Cameron and Signe having a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome to the program, Signe and Cameron Peirce. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Good to be here. Glad to have you with us. And the other day, I spoke with a pastor at your church, John Ramson, and he told me you have to talk to Cameron and Signe about their story, how they met and everything. It's a long story, and it actually goes all the way back to the founding of the church. So I was intrigued. How does a young couple getting together, what is the connection with the founding of the church? One of the founders was your grandfather. Is that right? Yeah, uh, he was the the pastor of um, one of the churches, and yeah, they combined with another church to make Canterbury Gardens. So, yeah. So that's kind of your heritage. He was a strong Christian, passionate about his faith and the pastor there. And then what about your family? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, he was always such a good role model to us. Um, but in many ways, I think because my dad grew up in uh, a Christian family and it was just normal for him to go to church every week that he became a bit complacent and, mm-hmm. and along with... Um, uh, my mum, uh, they both were probably a little bit more complacent in their faith, went to church sometimes, but uh, it wasn't their whole life. Um, and so that impacted us as well as kids. We were kind of in a similar place. We had made a decision to follow Christ, and I think we understood that, but we didn't really understand what it meant to have our whole lives mm. um, about Christ. So, kind of took faith for granted at that point? Yeah, and I think also the the challenges that came from being a Christian in a public high school, I, I couldn't cope with it at that mm. stage, and so I kind of caved in. Even though I still would have believed that, I just couldn't deal with the pressure of that at that stage. And then, unfortunately, one day your grandfather, Bernard, he died, and you said that his funeral was the best sermon Grandpa ever preached. What does that mean? Uh, well, we say that because it, it really turned our, our family's life around. Um and, and basically because his his life was such a testimony to Christ um, that uh, I remember on the day of the funeral and as I kind of sat there and watching person after person get up the front and talk about his life, how he went to this place because God led him and then to the next place because God led him. And I remember God very clearly asking me the question, you know, what are you living for? Mm. Um, and I had no good response to that. <laughs> wow. So, that that kind of set you on a journey of self-reflection and... For sure. Yeah, I still remember going home, shutting my door and kind of saying to God, I've had enough of 
doing things my way. Uh, I want to I want to make my whole life about you. And so that was really a big turning point for me. And the rest of your family as well? Yeah, they all had individual moments um, and we kind of uh, all spoke about it and had a time together later about, um, yeah, just how impactful that was. Okay. And then that revival led to you doing what? Well, it happened at a pretty pivotal time in my life. I, I just was finishing high school and so I'd had plans to go into the police force actually, mm-hmm. uh, but because of what had happened, it kind of reoriented my life around around Jesus. And so, I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so, I was just praying about where I should go. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, kind of resulted in me just working full time, getting busy, but not really knowing where at this stage God wanted me. And then eventually, you went for a two-week trip to Poland? Yeah, well, that interesting story. I, as a family on New Year's Eve, um, we were actually praying together, and, and I remember thinking, you know, I wanted to get more involved in church, and we prayed together as a family that I would have an opportunity to do that. Uh, and then the very next day, actually, uh, the elder of my church came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, are you interested in going to Poland?" I still remember thinking in my head, like he couldn't have been saying. Poland, like he must have said something that sounds like Poland in, in Australia because that's too e- extreme and, and, and far away. And, and so I remember thinking in my head, no, I'm not going, I can't go. But I said to him, you know, I'll think about it. Um, but then as I went home, I, I thought, well, you know, I just said to God that I was willing to be involved more. And, and But I didn't think you'd take me seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't think that's what it was going to be. Uh, and so I had to say yes. Uh, and that was a two-week trip. We went in the middle of that, that coming year. And Okay. And we'll, we'll stop your story right mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. because now we want to turn to Signe and find out that meanwhile, on another part of the world, in Northern Europe, in Latvia, your life was going on. Tell us what was happening up to this point in your life. Yeah, so I don't come from a Christian family, so I guess in that sense, our backgrounds are very different. And um, I grew up believing I was a Christian, which I thought is enough to go to church once or twice a year for Christmas and Easter. And um, I never really had the real understanding, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so then around the same time when Cam's life turned around, um, God was really working my life as well. Because for the first time, I went to a church where um, there are people around me and a community around me who were really pouring into my life and speaking to my life and just teaching me so much about God that I was really convicted about the way I was living and I was really convicting about the choices I had made. And so eventually I made my own decision as well to follow Jesus, which in a big way completely turned around the direction of my life as well because I was really determined to um, build an international career and work in, I don't know, some company probably in Scandinavia or some other I don't know some other country up far north which ironically and ironically I, I said always that I never ever want to move to south or be in south or oh, live in right? south <laughs> yes so ironically I'm probably pretty much as south as I can be in the moment yeah. <laughs> I love it when God does that <laughs> so, so the neat thing is is this kind of revival in your life yes was at the same time on another part of the planet that it was happening in your heart Mm. here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of neat how God was uh, kind of preparing the two of you ahead of time. Now, just going back in history a little bit, Latvia in years past, up to about the time you were born, used to be a part of the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union. And so that meant that church and organized religion was actually outlawed. Yes, yeah. 
And then around the time of your birth, after the fall of the Soviet Union, there was a bit of a revival there? Yeah, so I, I was born one month after Latvia gained its second independence. So then churches finally opened and people were allowed to go to church and they weren't persecuted for <laughs> doing that. So there was definitely a revival in church and uh, in churches all, all across Latvia. And um, I think part of that was as well why my family mm-hmm. uh, initially yeah. went to church. And so I remember a few Sunday school lessons but um, as much as there was this kind of explosion of people coming to faith, and then also later on it kind of faded away um, mm-hmm. once it was like it was no longer a novelty oh, or okay. no longer a new thing. And that was kind of how it was in your life that you kind of faded away until that mini revival. Yes, definitely. I was just on the level where I thought uh, the fact that I'm baptized as a baby and that I know which church I technically belong to, that, that makes me a Christian. But God had more in store for you. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with newlyweds Cameron and Signe Purse. At this point in their story, Cameron's in Melbourne and Signe is in Latvia. Next, we'll find out how they meet in Poland and eventually marry and come to live here in Australia. That and more when we return. The story... If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today we're hearing the romantic way God brought Cameron from Melbourne and Signe from Latvia together. At this point in their lives, we've learned how God was working in their lives before they met and how he was kind of preparing their hearts simultaneously in different parts of the world. Also, Cameron has gone on a short-term missions trip to Poland. Now let's hear the rest of their story as they continue their chat with Eric Skadabo. Uh, so I came back kind of really passionate uh, for God and, and passionate for Poland, and I thought maybe maybe there was an option to go back. But uh, as I got more involved in my church here, I was helping out in the youth group, those thoughts kind of faded to the distance, and I thought, well, maybe that was just kind of an in-the-moment thing. And mm-hmm. um, But shortly after that, I was um, helping at youth group one night on an all-boys night, and, and you know, as all boys do, we played a game of um, no-rules rugby. Uh, we thought that would be a great idea. Um, Seemed like and, a good idea at the time. Yeah, <laughs> probably regret it now. Uh, but anyways, what happened was I was like, basically trying to get the ball against the wall and my, my leg was kind of caught in the midst of a bunch of guys and, and then I got hit in the top half. I spun around, but my leg didn't. Oh, um, and so good. basically I didn't know what I'd done, but I knew I'd done something serious. Uh, so I went to hospital and ambulance and kind of uh, got an x-ray and they said, oh, well, they said to me, you've probably done your uh, ACL. Hmm. So I was going to have to wait to get a, a full MRI scan. And so they said to me, just rest for, you know, four or five days and then we'll get the scan and see what the damage is. Um, and during that period of time when I was resting, I, I started to get um, like really bad pains in my calf muscles. And it felt like my leg was dying. That's the best way I could explain it. But I, I didn't know. I thought it was just because of my injury. But I went to the doctor just to get it checked out. And he said, just in case, as a precaution, we're going to um, do a scan, um, an ultrasound on your leg. And, mm-hmm. and they did that for me and found out that I had um, six blood clots in my oh, leg. Oh, wow. Uh, and then they did a precautionary x-ray of my 
chest, um, and they found out that I had several blood clots also in my lungs. Um, and so, really, yeah, was that related to the? It injury? was, yeah. So basically, they'd formed in my upper leg, and then they travelled to oh, my, okay. to my lungs. All right, um, yep. It's very rare, but uh, it happened, and so I went. I didn't really know how serious this was. They kind of took me in an ambulance to hospital, and I was kind of like, "Oh, seems like a bit of an overreaction." And they connected all these wires to my chest, and I was like, "Oh, what's going on here?" I, I think still, they were getting your attention at that. Yeah, point. I was yeah. still ignorant. I was like, "Oh, this is not, it's not as serious as it sounds." And, and I remember thinking that until I got into, you know, my little area of the hospital and my specialist came in and you know specialists are always very loving and caring and he said to me you need to rest because you might die and wow. I remember thinking what <laughs> and I remember this fear just coming over me and going um how old were you at this time this was when I was uh 21 I'm pretty sure 21 21 years old yeah. being told you might die yeah and so it hit me quite hard yeah um, and so it was funny the nurse came over to me trying to console me and said it's okay it's true some don't make it out of this but some do I was like you're not very good at but at some this. do that was that was her attempt to make you happy yeah, or so to comfort they weren't you? the world's best um, medical <laughs> staff that I've ever met the bedside manner <laughs> left a little bit to be desired I um, guess but I remember th- at that time thinking to myself, like, God, what are you, what are you doing? In yeah, this, yeah, he's um, definitely got your attention. What's happening here? And, and, and I still remember watching my parents leave that evening and, and thinking to myself, is that the last time I'll see them? And, wow. And I remember as they left, this kind of panic came over me and I was thinking, you know, as it would, and thinking, will I get through the night? Because the tw- first 24 hours are the most dangerous period. And then I remember this peace just came over me and I felt, no, God knows what he's doing in hmm. this. And... This is part of his plan of my life. And, and I actually was able to sleep pretty well that night because wow. I knew that God was doing something. And as a result of that, I found out I needed to get surgery on my knee, but I couldn't get the surgery until the blood clots had completely disappeared. And mm. they told me that I could basically just had to sit on the couch for 10 weeks and, and rest um, while they dissolved. Which for and, some people, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, for some people it would. For me, an active young person, I yeah. was like, no, that's not my ideal. But, yeah. but it... It was during that 10 weeks that God really convicted me because uh, basically all I had time for was I was reading the Bible, listening to a sermon, praying, reading the Bible, listening to a sermon, praying, and that oh, was wow. my daily yeah. daily life. And, and it was during that time that I felt kind of God saying, you know, that maybe I should reconsider Poland as an option. And, and, and also I, I found within myself a heart for God's Word. And, and I didn't know what that meant, but about five weeks into this 10-week period, the guy who I was working with in Poland called me out of the blue and said, hey, I've just been wondering if you've been thinking about Poland and, and coming back. And I said, well, wait till you hear what's <laughs> happened in my life recently. And Oh, because he, he didn't know anything He had no that. idea. Um, just decided to call me. And I told him my story and, and he kind of said to me that, um, oh, you know, we, we'd love to have you in Poland, but we were thinking maybe it would be good to go and do some Bible college training beforehand. And, you know, that was exactly the same thing that God had been mm. working in my heart. And and so that was the real moment that I kind of made that decision. Okay, I'm going back to Poland. Uh, don't know how long it's going to take me to get there, but I'm going back and it's going to be for a longer period of time. And Okay. Yeah, so. so now in the story, yep. we have you in Poland. Signe, mm-hmm. at this point in the story, you're still in Latvia. Yes. Is that right? So I started uni right after high school and then... Um, Right at the beginning of it, I got offered opportunity to work for Scripture Union, which later on led me to work in Croatia, where I was involved in their camp and uh, leadership training ministry. 
Okay, you're getting closer to Poland. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm getting closer to South, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, which you said you never wanted to go South. No, never. Okay, so you keep going the way you don't want to go. (laughs) Yes, which often happens, right? Yep, yep. Um, So, yes, I was involved in Scripture Union Ministry in Croatia. And for a few years there, there were people coming from the little church plant in Poland, and they were coming for the summertime to serve and work with us there. And I became really good friends with them and decided that, oh, it would be fun to go see them and visit them. And I went up to Poland and my friends turned out to be Cameron's friend Mm -hmm. where he was working in a church plant. And what did you think the moment you first saw her? <laughs> well, it's not going to sound as romantic as it as it should be, but like after I'm, all this, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> oh, because at this point, it was only a couple of months till I was going home, and so I was um, not really thinking about developing a relationship at this point. And so when she arrived, I actually remember thinking like um, the guy who brought her often brought people to visit us, and thinking, you know, oh, you know, another person coming along <laughs> to visit us. And- <laughs> this is not going very. Well. <laughs> this is very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> but then I met her. Oh, okay, um, okay, that, okay. This yeah. is where it gets good. But okay. no, but but to be honest, we didn't think much, but we got on really well. Um, we didn't necessarily go straight to this is this is a relationship for us, but we shared each, our testimonies with one another. We spent a lot of that week that she was there talking. Um, mm-hmm. And when she left, we kind of, although we weren't thinking relationship, we had developed um, a probably good friendship, a good friendship, and mm-hmm. probably feelings that we weren't aware of because we weren't thinking about it because it mm-hmm. seemed silly to start a relationship at this point. And so that's kind of that was that brief moment that we saw each other and we kind of kept in contact on over Skype over the next month or so. And it wasn't until this really pivotal moment for us where um you know three of my friends, good friends in Poland, they left. Uh, they went on holiday somewhere and just kind of left me by myself and we actually started to Skype a bit more that week. In, in fact, we actually, in the space of a week and a half, we, we Skyped about six hours every night. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> six hours every night? Yes. I think this was getting a bit more than a friendship. <laughs> it's just yes. a hunch of mine. You would yep. think we knew that. <laughs> well, I remember Skyping my Skyping my mom and asking her, does this mean anything? <laughs> they just laughed at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I think they would, yes. So, Signet, when you first met him, what were you thinking? I think I was kind of on a similar page with Cam in terms of, like, I wasn't really looking for for anything. And so, my focus was just like, oh, I just want to see my friends and spend time with them. But then it was really awesome how we both really bonded over that shared experience we were having, like, living outside of our home country and, like, being immersed in a different culture and mm. learning the language and, like, mm. sharing the joys and struggles of all that. Mm. So you had all that in common, so a lot to talk about. Yeah, but I mean, six hours. What? I know, I know. We were up six hours every night. Yeah, yeah. It was Pretty a much. four a.m. get up at ten a.m. routine we had going there for that. For that really? Week. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Young um, people, man. I know, I know where right? you get your energy. <laughs> and I think the, conf- the confusing thing for me was well. Like, I knew he comes from Australia. And so then in my mind, I was thinking, well, maybe he does just like an Australian culture and he's just being like extra friendly to me. Yeah. We're <laughs> not just, that like, friendly. <laughs> yeah. So I actually talked with one of my friends about it. And I was saying like, oh, I don't know if that means anything or like, what should I think about it? And she's like, well, as long as your heart's not getting too involved, like, don't worry about it. And then eventually after these six hours Skypes one day and then the next day and then the following day, I realized, well, 
actually, my heart is getting involved. Mm. Hence, I made a decision like, that's it. Like, we can't continue to do that. And, and I'm just like, we just have to s- stop Skyping like that. And so she made that decision on the exact day that I decided that I was going to tell her that I liked her. <laughs> and, so, oh. and so I was trying to get her to Skype me one last time to, to kind of share my feelings. But she didn't want to Skype because she'd already decided that we were done. Um, oh. And so, but in the end, I managed to um, use my charm to convince her that, <laughs> that, um, that we should Skype one more time. And, and then we kind of, I kind of told her, expecting some, for some reason, also putting it down to cultural, expecting to get a no from her. But she said, oh, I like you too. And we both kind of got this moment where we go, now what? Now yeah. what do we do? <laughs> um, so what did you do? So we kind of made an agreement that we'd both go kind of talk to our mentors uh, and, and then um, from that point we, we'd see what they suggest for us. Um, and so I, I actually spoke to the Australian guy who had been working there for seven years and he, he kind of gave us a plan of, of how to go about it and, and that involved Signa coming back to Poland for a, a couple more weeks and then me after that actually going to Latvia to, to visit her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was all a month before I had to go home. So it was oh, really wow. like in, oh, an wow. intense period um to finish my time so it's kind of like pretty much like getting together being you know in the same place in the same time figuring out whether this potentially has yeah any future or Mm -hmm. yep yep and you had to find it out really quick yeah and so it was kind of like we're doing you know a regular 12 month dating period in space of four a month Um, i've heard of speed dating (laughs) exactly (laughs) this Um, is a variation on that well interestingly talk about a speed dating the the first um date we went on when she first came back to poland after we'd had this discussion we went on a date for 17 hours 17 hours yes that was yes. our first date why did the restaurant let you stay that long well it no. wasn't she arrived at 5 a.m in the morning on the train i picked her up and we spent the whole day cafe jumping until 10 p.m at night oh really so several just, restaurants are yes. cafes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. avoiding the cold in poland i think we always found it easy to talk and that was one yeah. of the signs for us that it that it was something that was maybe meant to be in that that sense because we could just get along so well Okay, unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time in this wonderful love story of Signe and Cameron. How did you eventually get to the point of asking her to marry you? Well, after that, after I returned to Australia, we kind of began this um, period of long-distance relationship, which brought with it many challenges. Uh, it was it was really hard to stay connected from that far away, plus the time difference and those things, and and so that we did a three-month long distance then Signa managed to come to Australia for a few weeks to visit my family and then after that we did another seven months of long distance and it was during that time that Signa also kind of recognizing herself a desire to do um, Bible study herself uh, and and through contacting my college that I was at that she, they actually offered her a scholarship uh, and through that scholarship she was able to come to Australia more permanently at least oh, for okay. a year anyway yeah, so yeah. she got accepted into a one-year course and then uh, we kind of said, we'll take it slow. We'll see what happens. And, <laughs> and within three months, I kind of thought, this is, this is <laughs> slow enough. And, um, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, we went up onto one of the mountains close by here and I did a little speech in Latvian. And, and we, in um, Latvian? Yeah, in Latvian, yep. Yeah. So, How did he do, Signe? Oh, he did really well. Aww. I got one of her friends to help me with translation and cool. kind of set it up. And, and yeah, proposed to her and she said yes. And, and that and was here we are. got married four months later. So um, Wow. And the future for the two of you? Well, we're not 
we're not 100% sure at this stage, but we both still have a heart for um, the part of the world where we were working um, in Signal uh, with Croatia, me, Poland. And, and so we kind of have plans to maybe uh, go back and invest in, in those countries, but we're not sure. We're, we're mm-hmm. kind of really open to what what God does because... You know, we've seen in the past, Sigmund never wanted to go south. I didn't really want to travel overseas, but we both <laughs> did those things. And so <laughs> yeah. I think we've learned a little bit to maybe hold the plans a little bit more yeah. loosely and see where yeah. God directs. But your heart is for serving full time together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's our sure. intent, definitely. Yeah. And what a wonderful story of the two of you, the Lord bringing the two of you together. Mm-hmm. And now who knows where he's going to lead next. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. No worries. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with newlyweds Signe from Latvia and Cameron Purse from the east side of Melbourne. And it was great to hear how God has been working in their lives going all the way back to their teenage years when they both had a personal revival in their faith simultaneously in different parts of the world. Then both being obedient to God's calling, even when it was not in the direction that either of them would have chosen. Then finally meeting and speed dating while in Poland. It will be great to see how the Lord leads them next. As we just heard, their heart is to serve Him together in full-time ministry. Watch this space. We pray for their future, that they continue to grow strong together as a couple and to build on their firm foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for joining us for A Romantic Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.